1: hey everybody welcome to the rotowire fantasy football podcast jeff erickson here with frank Emerante. uh you can catch frank at a lot of different places four for four football the game day rotoballer and the fantasy jones uh big news day big lot of a lot of takes going on on the twitter and all that of course it's it's draft season so there's a lot to talk about frank how you doing
2: feeling good feeling good nfl season right around the corner and uh I'm also feeling good because Whit Merrifield just hit a grand slam, and I have him in my DFS lineup, so Useful. That put me into the into the money. But uh, so, but we're talking football here, and you know we're yep. all excited for the NFL season.
1: Yeah. Well, one thing we'll start off with right away, you and I both do baseball and football. Trying to balance that in August and September, I mean that is it's it's tough. I've been doing this for 20 plus years, and I still find it difficult.
2: Oh, yeah, it's really tough. The way I've done it is I've focused a little more on football and on player outlooks and thinking about how I feel about certain players. And for baseball, i I basically focusing more on DFS now. It's, it's easier to write about for me rather yeah. than thinking about, you know, who's to buy, like which player to pick up or things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm more focused on season-long managed leagues and all that. But uh, yeah, it can be tough. Uh, So let's jump right into it, because there's a lot of big news. Uh, Yesterday, uh, I was finishing up the SiriusXM show, and we knew Travis Etienne got hurt the night before. It was a matter of weeks, at least at that point in time. Immediately after we signed off, of course, it was reported he was out for the season, uh, because that's the way it works. Whenever I'm recording something or I'm I'm broadcasting (laughs) live, details, breaking news happens right afterward. So this is huge news. James Robinson's now the starter. Uh, There's no question about it. He might have been the starter all along. Uh, I think that's a point you were bringing up on Twitter. And I, 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 it's interesting. I think now as the question is, what does this do to his value? Where are we putting him?
2: I, I look at James Robinson, you know, as a high-end RB2. You have to love the production he has already under his belt. Finished as RB5 and PPR points per game last year. He won't have that same, like, ridiculous workload. But he's still going to have the lead role, have goal line carries, take over the passing game. You'll likely see Carlos Hyde get some work, especially because he played with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. But it's obviously a huge bump for James Robinson. And I look at him as a high-end RB, 2 Like, you've got to love the improvements they made on offense with Trevor Lawrence, Marvin Jones, and the new coaching staff. So I'm, yeah. I'm bullish on Robinson.
1: Yeah, I, I am, too, now, uh, for sure. And, you know, if you got him, I wouldn't say you lucked into him because he was going to have a role regardless. It wasn't like he's a handcuff. He's a guy that you're drafting as you're going to be playing at some points in time. But you did get a huge bump in value. But uh, if you're not, if you haven't drafted yet, well, you know, I think it's just a question. Let me let, let's do some either ors real quick here. James Robinson or DeAndre Swift. That
2: one's really really tough for me. I, I go with a slight lean to DeAndre Swift just because of his receiving ability. He's going to get a ton of targets and checkdowns from Jared Goff. So I, I would slightly go towards DeAndre Swift, especially if it's a PPR format, even Robin? in half PPR too. Yeah.
1: I, the thing about Swift that scares me a little bit is his own groin injury. And the fact that mm-hmm. uh, Campbell said the other day, he's not sure if he's going to be ready for week one. Now week one is just a starting point. It's not the whole season, but yeah, you want to be—you don't want to take that question mark into your draft.
2: Yeah, that's definitely concerning hearing about that. I'll just, We'll just have to keep up to date with any updates because obviously if we know that he's for sure his status in question for week one, I'd bump up James Robinson because I hate really taking on any players with already injury concerns before they even play a game that's
1: obviously something to avoid one thing i'd argue in favor of robinson just generally not necessarily versus swift but just generally speaking robinson versus uh or versus anyone i mean is he might get a lot of passes too because it's not like Hyde's a pass catcher we know this uh they don't have a tight end to speak of Chenault will probably get a ton of ton more receptions actually i think he's a guy that benefits sneakily from this too
2: oh totally agree i was actually going to mention that as well like he gets a huge bump you know he's great after the catch he could really soak up those underneath targets that would have went to a tien. and who knows maybe they use him a bit give him some carries because he's a, he's like a swiss army knife almost yep. he's he he's got a lot of skills to line up all over the field so i'm really high on chanel yeah
1: peter stark in, in regards to our swift comment, asks what's up with jamal williams he's part of that uh, uh, equation there too you have a take on Swift versus Jamal Williams and all the talk we heard from, uh, you know, from the offensive coordinator about one A and one B. Well, at first I was a little concerned
2: about jo- Jamal Williams, but I mean, with Swift's skill set and how many targets he should get, I mean, he had over fifty targets in only like thirteen games, so that could outweigh any concerns with Jamal Williams. Like we've seen, yep. pass catching backs like Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara really have a backup that has a decent role, and they, it doesn't really affect them. And Swift's in the same mold in that case. So I'm not too too worried about Jamal
1: Williams. Okay. Uh I'm not really either. I, Anthony Lynn scares me just a little bit, but we all saw that. I mean, even when Austin Eckler got limited in the amount of carries he got, he still uh you know, he still produced what he did. So it's just it is in a PPR league, it's all about the catches. Uh that, that's absolutely right. Uh okay, James Robinson versus JK Dobbins.
2: That's another one that I really was battling with. Cause I like Dobbins. I think he'll get more of a role in the passing game than he did last year. And he's a special runner averaging six y- yards per carry, but with Robinson, I think he's safer because he has more of a bankable role in the passing game. And he he'll likely see more volume than Dobbins will now that uh, it stands out for the season. So I slightly go with Robinson there.
1: Okay. Very good. Uh, let's go one more here. Uh, let's go, uh, robinson versus joe mixon a lot of people love joe mixon a lot of people hate joe mixon where do you fall i
2: i like joe mixon i mean last year before the season ending injury was averaging over i believe it was like 22 touches per game Gio bernard's gone he's going to really take over the passing game role and we could see the bengals lean on Mixon more at least in the early going as joe burrow gets his legs back coming off that torn ACL so I got to go to Joel Mixon there even with O-line concerns I'm just betting on the volume there yeah
1: so I'm a self-hating Bengals fan um and the only one on the west coast that I'm aware of now uh but uh, <laughs> our numbers are dwindling I worry about the offensive line too I worry that maybe Chris Evans comes out and plays the Gio Bernard role a little bit there there's been a lot of wows in training camp about his hands but they've also come out and said you know sometimes mm-hmm. that you have to take them at face value that it's going to be the most volume he's ever had so we'll see I think a lot of people who were burned by the experience last year will probably shy away. Others who haven't you know, drank from that cup yet might be a little bit more inclined to go there. I'm, I'm going to hold off one other either or for you because uh, I know it's going to be in one of your takes. So uh, we'll save that <laughs> one there later on. But uh, let's move on to some other news here. Uh, we get a lot of other stuff going on. And the other big thing we woke up to this morning, Sony Michelle got traded to the Rams for two draft conditional draft picks, fifth and sixth round. Uh, obviously, obviously, if you're a Daryl Henderson guy, this is this is a threat. What's your take on this?
2: Well, I've been going. I started at first not worrying too much about Michelle, you know, because I figured that the Rams were just concerned about their depth behind him with Xavier Jones and Jake Funk, and especially with Henderson getting that thumb injury. Just the timing of right. trading immediately. Maybe I thought they were a little concerned, but then I see like Adam Schefter on Sirius today. He's he's hyping up uh, Sony Michelle as as a player who could potentially take the lead role. And I read out, shout out to JJ Zacharyson, a cool stat here from next gen stats. Michelle had the highest rushing yards over expectation per attempt among running backs with 50 or more carries, which tells us that, Hey, maybe he's a bit, maybe he's not as washed up as people think. And then right. another source, uh, Pat's beat writer, Jeff Howe for the athletic, he was saying how Michelle was having the best camp of his career. He's finally fully healthy. So I'm a little bit worried now, and it looks like a situation to avoid. I'd rather wait and just take a dart throw with Sony Michelle, especially with how you know Daryl Henderson has showed some durability issues, and the fact that they gave up two draft picks. I mean, they could have waited for some roster cuts and taken on a veteran, but they went out and traded for him. So that concerns me, and I'm avoiding Daryl Henderson
1: now. I can appreciate that. My my concern too is we have a dwindling class of guys that we can slot in as our RB2. If you if you don't grab too early on, say say if you're drafting early, you've got uh you know CMC at at, at you know start off your draft, you know, the guys that you're comfortable with as your RB two might be gone by the time you get to the turn. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I've seen it happen. And especially if you want to profit on some of those receivers that look so tasty there. I mean, you you go in the fifth round, who are you taking?
2: Yeah, it's definitely tough with RB2. What I like to do is try to go after a Javante Williams and pair him with mm-hmm. Raheem Mostert because we've seen how teams have eased rookie running backs in, especially looking last yep. year DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers. Uh, so I think with uh, Raheem Mostert, he'll jump out as the lead back, at least in the early going, and then you can transition to Javante Williams once he fully asserts his role on that backfield. I like going that route if I, if I wait
1: on RB2. Sure, I have Henderson a couple places, or oh, I I already have him, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trade him low because I just don't think there's any profit in doing that. But I still think he plays. I still think he's solid. I like his skills, and I don't think I don't think like Sony Michelle is much of a pass catcher, for instance. I think Henderson's probably better in that respect. So I'm not gonna panic in those situations. But yeah, I'm probably going to wait till round five, round six now to pull that trigger on him. I might mm-hmm. not cross him off my list entirely though.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd if it's the fifth or sixth round, and I'm desperate, I'd consider it. It's just I'm not really excited about him sure. anymore. Type. Of
1: thing. I can appreciate that. Uh, quick note from our sponsors at WinBet, who are sponsoring every one of our podcasts this football season. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks! I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive par- sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is now currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Frank Amarante. You can read, read, and listen to Frank at a lot of different places: Four by Four for Four Football, The Game Day, Roto Baller, and The Fantasy Jones. Uh, let's hit up a couple more news items, and we'll get into some of Frank's takes. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater name the starter in Denver. Good news, bad news. If you're a Jerry Judy guy or a Cortland Sutton guy.
2: Uh, phenomenal news. If you're a Jerry Judy guy, you know, Jerry Judy was held back by Drew Locke last year with all those uncatchable targets. Bridgewater is more accurate. And with a player like Jerry Judy who could, who's got great route running skills and he could separate very well. Uh, it fits in perfectly. I was already really high on Judy and this just cements it as, He's, he's actually one of my takes. We'll get into him a little more later, but I love this for Jerry Judy. For Corlin Sutton, it hurts him a bit just because Drew Locke, you know, last year, I believe he, according to Sports Info Solutions, he led an average depth of target for per throw. So he loves to chuck it downfield, which fits in nicely with Sutton. So I was already low on Sutton coming off the ACL, and I'm really not targeting him too much there. And then we saw last year Bridgewater. He supported three top 30 wide receivers in Carolina. Who knows? Maybe he could do that with Judy, Fenton? and hey, maybe even Sudden. And even KJ Hamler is a decently round dart throw with his yeah. feet out of the slot.
1: Yeah, I like Hamler. Uh, even Tim Patrick played well at times oh, last yeah. year, too. But uh, I think Patrick's going to get hurt a lot uh, just with everybody back. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, funny thing about Ridgewater is he supported that despite throwing so few touchdowns. You know, it wasn't yeah. touchdown dependent. So they're, they're you know. That kind of excused both ways. He didn't finish the drill, or, you know, you could argue, or uh, just the, the situation didn't merit for it. You know, they might have run the ball more in the red zone, for instance. So uh, that, That's one thing to look at it that way, too. Uh, plus, the offensive line is what it is uh, in Carolina, so that probably held him back a little bit, too. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, it was interesting. My, my initial reaction was like, oh, they're, not, they're going for the steady guy. They're not going for the upside guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But then thinking it through a little bit more, of course, there. I think you tweeted out something that made a lot of sense. And this is a Vic Fangio protecting his job sort of decision too. He's going with the safe option. Coaches don't like to be embarrassed, whether it's baseball, football, you know, all that. They they're not gonna they're gonna take away a little bit of ceiling, and try to get the steady guy a lot, especially when you got a good defense in place.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like we, I know from the outside, as outside observers, we're like, you know, it's Super Bowl or playoff contender or bust. But I mean, this is a human wants to keep his job. Like. Bridgewater could protect the football that defense is a lead who knows they can make the uh, playoffs this year and even if they lose in the first round that would be looked at as a successful season and help Fangio keep his job so sure I think that's definitely what his mindset was there
1: and it's his first time as a head coach too so you get that you know it's important to get that because you may not get that second chance without any success there so at any rate um Curtis Samuel when he signed, everyone's like, "Okay, this is a good fit. I like this. So you got Fitzpatrick, you've got McLaurin, and now you've got a good second receiver in Samuel." Well, he hasn't practiced yet. You know, it's been three months since this uh, groin injury happened, and they keep steadily increasing his work rate. But at some point, doesn't he have to have a you know full practice? I'm I'm kind of concerned about this injury.
2: Yeah, it's a bit concerning, but I did find some positive news. Uh, Washington B writer uh, Rhiannon Walker from the Athletic, he, she mm-hmm. said that. Ron Rivera said today that Curtis Samuel increased their workload. hoping They're hoping to have him on the field next week. So at least he'll get some reps in and practice before the season starts, it looks like. But of course, we have to expect, you know, a slow start for Samuel, you know, joining a new team, limited offensive work. But the good news is that if he has experience in Scott Turner's right. system. So that could help him uh, get up to speed more quickly than, than a normal case if he was learning a new offense. So for Samuel, you know, if he falls because people are concerned about the injury, he looks like a decent value right now. He finished our, our wide receiver 27 PPR points per game last year. And I, I'm pretty sure sh- he's going like in the 40 range right now, at least on underdog drafts, best balls. So mm-hmm. you could buy the value, buy the dip here with Samuel, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think he probably could, too. Um, I just I And I don't care about the preseason. I just want to see practices. I just want to mm-hmm. see the, the reports. Because like you said, he's worked with Turner before. It's not a huge deal that, you know, he's le- he's not necessarily learning offense. He is le- learning a quarterback in Fitzpatrick. And, you know, I want it for McLaurin's sake. I want him healthy, too, because I love myself some Terry McLaurin. I want to have a good uh, receiver opposite him. I'm, a, I'm of the belief that, uh, you know, I, I yes, I want a bell cow receiver. I want a guy that gets the majority of the targets. But I want a decent second receiver along with him there just to kind of draw some of the attention away.
2: Yeah, for sure. And last year, you know, he had, we saw the, the supporting cast last year, very limited, and there's upgrades in Washington with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it'll definitely help McClure. And I used to be more like of the type who preferred that, as you said, bell cow wide receiver, but I'm leaning more towards, you know, you want at least that solid threat beside them.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. So uh, the other thing, just watching it, what do you think about Fitzpatrick there? Uh, I, it, Oh, go ahead. go ahead. Just go. ahead. I'll, I'll throw well, my comment after. Well, I know
2: some people like him late round in fantasy. You know, he likes to, uh, like he could help out McLaurin and he could. It's definitely a quarterback upgrade, Uh, but you might not see, like I know we're used to how uh, exciting he was in Tampa Bay and to some extent, extent with Miami, but you know, Washington's defense is totally elite. So you might see more of a tone. Maybe Fitzpatrick isn't that usual gunsling, gunslinging type and he tries to, protect the football a little more to fit in with their really good defense so i'm yeah, not really was, targeting him in fantasy right
1: i was really excited just for mclaurin's sake but it's weird being excited about a 38 year old journeyman it just shows how low the quarterback court play has yeah. been the last two years in yeah. dc i guess that's more the take on that uh then finally uh Dak uh autocorrect said day in my outline to you but i, f- I think you probably figured out Dak prescott finally progressed to uh throwing seven on sevens first time he's been throwing against any sort of defense since this shoulder injury now it's not it's not late i mean there's still two weeks but it's 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 not early either uh it's, it's a little while since uh we've seen him throw the ball and he's coming back from the major ankle injury are you fading him at all
2: yeah you know i'm i'm avoiding Dak especially because of like you know the opportunity cost there's other quarterbacks there who don't have these injury concerns you know like mm-hmm. russell wilson or Aaron Rodgers, or if you could even wait and take Ryan Tannehill. I just don't like to take a player coming off such a serious injury, especially in this situation, you know, Dak, like you said, with the shoulder injury, just recovering from it. I would just rather play it safe and go with someone like
1: Russ. Yeah. There's probably not going to be... He probably won't play in the preseason game this weekend. They do play the Thursday game at Tampa Bay. It's a tough start to go right back into that game, too, with facing that pass rush. Oh yeah. We'll see how his mobility is going to be real quick. Uh, But it's interesting. You know, it's weird. We have three preseason games this year and an extra regular season game. We've got two weeks between the regular season starting and the last preseason game. It's a different rhythm this year. You know, we always look at the third game, uh, third preseason game as our dress rehearsal, although some teams... I've been blowing that off. Anyhow, uh, what do you do with the preseason? What are you looking for in the preseason this year? It's definitely tough because it's the first year with
2: only three games. But what I've really focused on is just the right now, the quarterback battles. I think we'll see some closure with uh, Jameis Winston taking over and, and starting week one over Taysom Hill. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see Mac Jones. He has an opportunity now with Cam Newton out. Uh, with, like, he's under COVID protocols. And speaking of Mac Jones, I want to just draw attention to a tweet I saw Doug Kied of PFF. He said Mac Jones was tearing it up today in joint I practice saw that. with the Giants as he threw a long touchdown at Jacoby Myers. I mean, if he really runs with this opportunity, who knows? Maybe, maybe he starts week one. Yeah,
1: he might. Uh, and I actually saw a tweet that said that some one Pat's beat writer thinks he's going to do that there. And I, you know, that's interesting. I threw a, I just uh, finished up a Dynasty League draft that I'm in and threw a late round dart on Mac Jones, even though I have a couple other quarterbacks. I don't have an elite quarterback, though. I just have a lot of, uh, you know, I, I have run of the mill quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and uh, Carson Wentz. It's a, it's not a good team, by the way. Um, we're working <laughs> on trying to improve it there, but I got Taysom Hills a dart throw and he might not even start. Uh, so oh, yeah. why not take another? Yeah, chance? why
2: not? And I even, if you uh, dabble in some sports betting, it's probably still last I checked, it was like plus two fifty for him to start week one on DraftKings Sportsbook. If they haven't yep. updated it yet from today's news, I mean worth a sprinkle.
1: Sure. Where are you right now, by the way?
2: Oh oh I'm in uh, London, Ontario in Canada.
1: Okay, okay. Can yeah, you so bet- I can't
2: use I can't use DraftKings Sportsbook, but I do cite that whenever I'm talking about bets just because it's a popular sports book. Sure. I usually use bet
1: three, six, five, but. So you do have an outlet. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. See, I'm in LA and there's no online, there's no sports betting in the state still, at least not from a legal channel. So, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's got a guy, I suppose, but, uh, you know, or or some illicit website, but uh, I, I don't do any of those things. I promise. swear. If you're (laughs) listening here, anybody that cares, (laughs) Uh, but I I can drive to Vegas, so that's not so bad. Uh, Yeah. I've got that going for me. Uh, Before we move on to uh, some of Frank's takes, uh, let's get another note from one of our sponsors. Uh, Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? If so, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to DynastyOwner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried that you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fancy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire and start your Dynasty League today. I'm here with Frank Amarante. Uh, You can catch Frank at 444 football the game day rotoballer and the fantasy jones uh just did a uh the fantasy jones you guys did a uh a prop bet podcast so some good stuff there what's your favorite prop bet of the season
2: oh well one of them that i like is uh taking the under on travis kelsey it's around 1400 ish yards and i just feel like i know there's an extra game but that's mm-hmm. a high bar for a tight end i mean yeah kelsey did that once i believe and you know the chiefs are likely to you know, like you could see them rest Kelsey in last in the last week of the year if they have the top seed locked up. And with props, it's always good, especially when it's a high bar, to try to lean towards the under because there's just so much that could go wrong. They miss one game and you're total like you might lose just because of that. So that's one right. that I really like.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's the extra game counterbalanced by, you know, in fact, Hill missed games last year. Uh, they, you know, Sammy Watkins missed a ton of time. Hardman really didn't take that next step. I get it all. What's your take on Eko Hardman? By the way, he's he's been a he's always a popular guy. If you're doing these underdog drafts, he always gets pushed up.
2: It's it's like he's a polarizing player because you know Watkins is gone. He has a path to being the wide receiver too. I liked that. I know that he was raw coming out of college, so we could kind of give him a pass for a slow start to his career. But he's starting to go way too high on underdog drafts. Like he, I think he goes like in the top forty wide receivers or. He's just going a little too high for my taste. But, I mean, he he had some positive reports in camp. So, there's a clear path to the wide receiver, too. I would just, if you're doing a best ball, only look towards Hardman if you have Mahomes and you're trying to make a Chiefs stack. I like it.
1: I like it. I play, I've been playing more underdog lately. I got a late start on that. Didn't do too many of the early ones. I'm doing some puppy threes. Didn't get in the first two. Uh, is that one of your favorite genres, is to play uh, best balls, play, play underdog?
2: it's actually new to me best ball this year i, I always am the se- the traditional season long type okay but you know it's starting to grow on me it's cat it, it was it's really fun it's fun stacking your players because it's important to do that just to really uh raise the upside of your team it's just fun like you have to build a really build a roster it's almost like putting a puzzle together you know like okay i got For i sure. got will fuller let me try to get to a late something like that it's it, it's fun to do that
0: yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, and the other thing too is uh, it, you can do it quick with those 30 second uh, picks if you do a, a live one like that. There, I had a flight delayed over the week, you know, last week, and it's like, oh, okay, just jumping in, a, just jumping yeah, in a puppy free the drive there. Uh, yeah, no problem.
2: Right on your phone. It's the best.
1: It's, it's, it's useful there. All right, we're in the take section of this podcast. And if you follow Frank on Twitter, if you don't, why not? You should at F. Amarante tfj that's a m-m-i-r-a-n-t-e tfj or you can just look at the screen and see it right there too uh <laughs> frank's frank's not shy you know, you're, you're gonna get lots of takes out of him uh let's start off with your all buy team though this is one of my favorite ones here because i have to admit i looked at yours and like yeah i'm on board with all this i like that one i like that one let's start off the quarterbacks you list lamar jackson as one of your top buys this year
2: Yeah, you know, I love Lamar just because they really upgraded his supporting cast, drafting Rashad Bateman. I know he's Mm -hmm. injured, but you got to think he's back by October. And Bateman profiles as that potential alpha wide receiver one, you know, and they've talked about sort of evolving their offense and and incorporating more uh, snaps under center for Lamar. They could really help him take the next step as a passer. Maybe they bump up the passing volume just a bit. I mean, they'll still be run heavy, but they'll give him more opportunities to pass. And I know Sammy Watkins really disappointed in Kansas city, but he's still, he's still a threat that can draw attention there. It's better than what they had before, you know, the Willie Sneed and the, and the like. So you got to love that bump in supporting cast. And he's one year removed from a quarterback. One finish that rushing upside is awesome. So I'm really high on Lamar. Plus you could get him like at least one or maybe even two rounds later than Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah. uh, Keller Murray or Lamar Jackson. Who do you got?
2: I've been grappling with that all uh, offseason, you know, because Kyler Murray before the shoulder injury was by far the QB1. Yep. But I thought about it, and I'm, I'm going to lean with Lamar just because I think I like him better as a runner. It's hard to bank on all those touchdowns again for Kyler Murray, as rushing touchdowns, that is. And I like his upgrades on the supporting cast a little bit more than Kyler Murray. But they're neck and neck. They're in the same tier, both elite quarterbacks. I'd be ecstatic with either or.
1: Yeah, you're getting and you're getting Lamar around later on average, too, which is something I like. Or if you're in an auction, probably a few bucks cheaper too. Just did an auction last yesterday where I wasn't planning on buying any of the top shelf QB and ended up getting Lamar anyhow because I liked it stop at 17 like and it's a half point PPR. Yeah, let's go with that there. You can pay up. I feel like in a non a full full point PPR, I want to pay up for the receiving options a little bit more and maybe go cheaper on the, the 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 quarterback, but in a non PPR or half point PPR, I'm gonna probably bump up the quarterback a little bit more. I like him better than Dak. I like him better than Murray. I like him about the same as Allen even. Uh, I I think that, yeah. And I think you don't have to pay that price. So I'm I'm lockstep with you on him. I just should say one more
2: thing that I just uh, came to my mind. I really like early season strength of schedule just because it's more projectable defenses earlier in the year, there's no injuries. And it's mm-hmm. obviously good to get off to a good start. And look at Lamar's first three weeks. Against the Raiders, not a good defense. Against the Chiefs, potential shootout. Against the Lions, another terrible defense. So those are three plus matchups to start off the year that really could act as a tiebreaker when you're thinking between these uh, elite tier of quarterbacks. Outside right.
1: of Houston, the Raiders might have the worst defense in the NFL. They're they're awful. Just awful. Yeah, um, totally agree. I, I think it's going to be tickets to the carnival with those games, especially early on. Maybe they maybe they prove me wrong. We'll see, but I doubt it. Uh, we'll go with one more QBM on your takes. Uh, Tua to Tungavailoa. I mean, not too many people are hyping him up right now. You're buying him a lot.
2: I like him because you know last year it was a tough off season for him rehabbing the injury, and he wasn't expected to start mid season, so they had to kind of adjust on the fly. You know, they had Gailey, the offensive coordinator. His system fit better for. Ryan Fitzpatrick and this offseason they prioritize speed signing Will Fuller drafting Jalen Waddle that'll really open things up for Tua and he looks good in camp he's uh, I really like the supporting cast upgrades and you can get him really late so Tua is one of my late round quarterback uh, dart throws
1: I like it I like it so if you listen to a RotoWire podcast, you know we are a Jonathan Taylor stand podcast. Uh, Chris Liss is big on him. Mario Puig is huge on him. I think John McKechnie big on him. I like him a lot. And you like him a lot too.
2: Love Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I mean, look what he did down the stretch last year. Uh, his last six games, he ran for 741 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, if we look at his overall production, He put up the fifth highest PPR points per game for a 21-year-old running back uh, since 2000. Only Saquon, Zeke, Clinton Portis, and Maurice Jones-Drew had higher averages. Like, that's a early career production. We also could look at another stat I got here. Uh, There were only four running backs with 35 or more 10-plus yard runs last year. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, and Jonathan Taylor. And he did it only on 230 attempts. So you got to think, like, they got a great offensive line in Indy. They'll be run heavy. Naheem Hines is there, but Jonathan Taylor showed he's no slouch in the passing game. That was one of his concerns coming out as a prospect, and he kind of addressed those. So, I mean, sky's the limit for Taylor. Originally, I was going too bold and putting him as my overall RB1. I smartened up, and uh, I think he's a top five running back.
1: Yeah, I saw that in your Rotoballer article. Uh, Chris, let's just put Taylor at three in our rankings with Quentin Ooh. Nelson coming back. So uh, we're sharing, you know, sharing a vibe on that one there. Uh, my con- my only concern with Taylor is not Hines. It's, I- I'm not worried about the workload. It, they, they made it work last year. I think they'll make it work even more this year. It's the offensive line. It's whether Fisher and Quentin Nelson are 100% because he ran so much so much better to the left last year, and that's where there's the question marks. That's what I'm going to probably watch for, but... The problem is, I'm not going to watch for. It. They're not. They're not using them in the preseason. We're not going to see anything out of that. But uh, we'll, we'll see. But that I think, if there's any sort of mystery, if there's any sort of concern, that's my only concern. But you know, I've been getting him a lot. I you know for at one point he was going middle of the second round in underdog drafts yeah. after the news on Wentz and uh, and on Nelson. But uh, I think that price is correcting again.
2: Oh, yeah. Now that we see that, when there's some light at the end of the tunnel, and Wentz is going to be back probably much earlier than we all thought. Yeah. Wheels up for Jonathan Taylor.
1: Give me another running
2: back by another running back by. As I'm a Washington uh, football team fan, I got to go with Antonio Gibson. Okay. Uh, You know, last year was his first year in a new position as a wide receiver in college. And his a concern would be like how he was as a runner, and he just addressed those concerns totally. We all know about his pass catching skills, and they've talked up how they want to increase his role in, in the passing game. I know in the preseason we're seeing them still use JD McKissick on third downs, but hey, Gibson could still it's not like he can't catch passes on first and second down. And given the fact that he was a college receiver, you know, he can get more of those wheel routes or maybe line up who knows? Maybe they line up him up all over the field. And we look last year, uh, right before he had that turf toe injury, really blew up against the Cowboys, and he had seven targets that game. So you might have started to see a transition towards more of a Gibson-centric backfield until that injury kind of derailed the season. Then when he came back, they went back to McKissick in that regular role. So who knows what we would have been saying about Gibson had he not had that injury. He'd probably be going at least a couple picks higher. So I'm really high on him. I think he's a top eight running back.
1: So that's a first round pick for you then.
2: Yeah, but I won't, the way it goes, the way it plays out is because I think if I'm drafting towards the end of the first round, I'll take like a, hopefully an Adams falls or Stefan Diggs, And then I try to hope that Gibson falls back to me because he often goes right at the beginning of the second round. So I try to hope that he falls, but yeah, I'd be comfortable taking him, let's say at 12 or 11.
1: I think there's some helium associated with Gibson too. Ever since Kyle Allen's comment saying, you know, Scott Turner wants to make him the next McCaffrey. uh, I think that might be one of those situations. Now who does, who the heck cares what Kyle Allen has to say, except for the fact that he was the quarter, uh, it was a quarterback under Turner. And so he knows him a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Uh, It's just some, you know, I I think there's some definite helium him. By the way, a a little heads up to the folks that are not heads up, but a thumbs up to the folks at Memphis. I mean, You've got Gibson, oh, yeah. Daryl Henderson, and Tony Pollard all around the same time. That's a factory.
2: Yeah, and then I think yeah, and Kenneth Gainwell now the rookie on the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles. yeah. I know That's he right. went fifth round, but people like him, and who knows, maybe he can make some sort of impact in the pros as well. Yeah, they're a factory there.
1: Yeah, cranking out a good a lot of they either recruiting well, they're they're developing well. They just got a great offense. Like Henderson averaged nine yards a carry in college. I mean, it's crazy uh, how, yeah. how good he was there. All right, let's move on to receivers. Who's your uh, number one buy among wide receivers? My
2: number one buy among wide receivers, and I know he's getting a lot more uh, publicity and and positive uh, takes on him now with Teddy Bridgewater starting, but it's Jerry Judy. I mean, like I said earlier, he was held back by Drew Locke with all the uncatchable targets. Mm But we look at his early career production. He put up the 10th most receiving yards for a 21-year-old since 1990 i mean he had drops but you know so did deontay johnson i like the fact that he gets open yeah. his route running is good according to uh, matt Harmon's reception perception judy's 75 success rate against man coverage graded in the 87th percent percentile in re- reception perception history and that's pretty damn in- pretty impressive for a 21 year old uh, and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is more accurate. He checks it down more. Last year, his average throw depth was 6.8 yards, which was 28th in the NFL. So he's going, you'll likely see Judy get those underneath uh, targets. I really think that he is the 20 uh, 2021 version of Deontay Johnson of that uh, clinical route runner who can get open, has separation skills and takes a leap in year two. And I think he's a top 22 wide receiver. I really love Jerry Judy.
1: I like him a lot. And one of the things I I am the tiny bit of concern is not the drops. I don't care about the drops. I don't care about it with Deontay Johnson. I don't care about it with Jamar Chase for that matter either. I think much is being overblown about that. And I, I know we might get loggerheads on him. We'll get to him in a second. Uh but I I I just think that you have the skills to get open. That's gonna that you'll be that'll work itself out. My tiny bit of concern is the lack of red zone targets. Uh, but that also might be a different quarterback issue. We'll see. Uh, he's not a big guy. He's not going to, you know, you're not going to see too many uh, flag routes. You're not going to see too many, you know, corner routes for him. Uh, but if he is a great route runner, he's just not going to out-physical a guy for a one-on-one. That's the one thing I'm a little concerned about.
2: Yeah, for sure. You likely see Cortland Sutton or even Noah Fant be more of the red zone threat. Definitely a yeah. valid concern. I could see Judy leading in targets and, and catches.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that, but you know, that kind of goes, that's kind of how it goes though, too. You know, you get the smaller guy, shiftier guy, he's going to run better routes at, at full speed. So in the open field, he's deadlier. Uh, and then the bigger guy, Tim Patrick got a lot of targets in the red zone last year, for instance, that that's, you don't need that. You don't need that as much because there's not as much space to operate in. So it's more about out physically the defender. So uh, that, but again, well, we'll that's a small, con- that's a nitpick. Uh, the price you're paying for Judy. I'm with you on that too. I like him a lot. Uh, you also mentioned uh, A.J. Brown and Laviska Chennault. We talked about Chennault. A.J. Brown was in the news recently because he, he tweaked his knee last week, but he's already practicing again this week.
2: Yeah, you you never want to hear uh concerns about his knee with A.J. Brown. He, he's He sort of seems to always be banged up. That's the one concern with him. But I mean, the, the fact that even though Julio Jones is there, I mean, Corey Davis had a 23% target share last year. So it's not like, he was barely used. So Julio Jones could just step into that sort of role and we could see the Titans pass it more with Julio there now. So AJ Brown's just talents through the roof, 10 plus yards per target each of his two seasons. He's a playmaker. Absolutely love him. I
1: I think he's a top five receiver. Indeed. So fantasy football isn't all sunshine and rainbows. This isn't the family channel. We're not going to accentuate the positive. We are going to get Frank's (laughs) fades. But before that, a quick note from our friends at Sleeper. What do your fraternity brother Steve, Katie from work, and your grandma all have in common? They're all waiting for that invite to your fantasy football league. There's no better way to hang out, no easier way to smack talk, and no more customizable platform to host your fantasy leagues on this year than Sleeper. Whether you have a redraft or a dynasty league that has been around for 10 years, Sleeper has everything you need in one app. Incredible commissioner tools and customizations, built-in messaging, support for snake draft, auction draft, and best ball leagues, Blazing fast news, courtesy of Rotowar, stats and scores, all in a beautifully designed mobile app and, and website that makes every other app feel like a horse and buggy. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy sports platform for a reason, and all the cool commissioners are sleeping, switching to Sleeper and not looking back. Don't just take my word for it. Download Sleeper on iOS or Android and see for yourself. You have nothing to lose. It's free. I just finished a draft actually on Sleeper. Uh, it's a dynasty league I'm in. Formerly Major League Baseball uh, pitcher Brad Ziegler runs this league. He is a oh, wow. big time fantasy football fan, like to the point like when he was still pitching, uh, if, his, if the game was like in the third inning, he'd be shooting off a trade offer to me. It was, it was kind of crazy, but <laughs> he's a nut. Uh, I love it. That's I mean, cool. it's just I get it. I get trade offers in March from him all the time. It's like, dude, it's March. I'm busy, but uh, yeah, it's all right. Um, That's cool. Yeah, he's great, and he he's super nice, dude. He he's he's a great guy. Um, So anyhow, this isn't a Brad Ziegler cast as much as we love him. Let's get on to talking a little bit about your fades. This is where people, you know, this is, this is some good, this is, I think where the rubber hits the road a lot. It helps save people from themselves. We talked about Dak already, so I'm not going to serve that one up to you. I'm going to, I'm going to let you slay me. I'm going to let you stab me in the heart and say, and go with Joe Burrow here because I am that self-hating Bengals fan. Why are you fading Joe Burrow? Well,
2: you know, I love Joe Burrow's situation and I'll, it's just the fact of him coming off a torn ACL and he even tore like it was a serious injury Tore it around in November, not really like that long of a recovery. And it's just going back to it. What, what I said with Dak, I don't want to take any player who already has this concern coming off a serious injury. Mm-hmm. And you know, the offensive line is still a work in progress. I know the wide receiver. That's kind, awesome. by
1: the way, that's very oh, yeah. kind to say work in progress. It's yeah, kaka. That, it's terrible. Yeah. But,
2: yeah. So Who knows maybe they they played conservative and and more quick passes for burrow not this isn't really the year where i could see him hitting his ceiling so i prefer not to really invest in him and i'd i'd rather you know take him next year when he's a year removed from the injury it's just it's really not about the player it's just about being risk averse with a player
1: coming off the injury Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I, I'm worried about the mobility a little bit. Is he going to be able to, cause you know, he wasn't like Lamar or anything, but he also wasn't a statue. He was able to run a little bit here and there. There even sometimes some design plays. I I think those go away this year because they're not going to expose him as much as they can. And so that means you, you just don't get, maybe instead of four rushing touchdowns, you get two, instead of 200 rushing yards, you get 75. You know, that, that's the thing. I think you lose that this year too.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely a concern for me. But I mean, I could understand why people like him. You got to love those wide receivers there.
1: Yeah. All right, give me another fade.
2: Another fade is someone who I've gone countless debates on Twitter. I just don't like uh, Ch this year. I know, I know the Chiefs really upgraded their offensive line with Orlando Brown and Joe Thune. Mm-hmm. But uh, we think about the player. Let's start it like this. So going into the draft that year, he was the Consensus, let's say number three. It was clearly Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift ahead of him. The Chiefs reached on CEH, let's face it. We look at his rookie year. He starts off with a with a huge workload, and then his workload gets scaled back and they sign Le'Veon Bell. Usually with rookie running backs, you see them start off slow and then start to really take over, like we saw with Gibson, Swift, acres and the like. So that concerns me a bit. Also the fact that you know it's an extremely pass-heavy offense uh you know like Mahomes also doesn't really target running backs as much as we think like he targeted Kareem Hunt 3.18 uh targets per game CH was 4.15 I'm not sure that that passing upside like that receiving upside that everyone thinks CH has I don't think it's I don't know if it's there plus you know according to Ian Rapoport earlier in the offseason they really tried hard at signing Gio Bernard and they mm-hmm. he he chose Tampa Bay so they settled on Jarek McKinnon. Okay, Jarek McKinnon isn't really a household name or anyone to really write home too much about, but he's a good receiving back. So the fact that they pursued Gio and then settled on another one who specializes in the passing game, it kind of tells me maybe, hey, maybe they want another back there to help maybe in pass protection or catch passes out of the backfield. And McKinnon was getting talked up in camp, so it's likely he'll make the team and he could... Uh, have a role. And, you know, CH is not, he doesn't have the greatest size, he's not explosive. It's just that people are, you know, uh, really putting a lot of stock in the situation. I know it's a good situation, but hey, we've seen the Chiefs show a willingness to add veteran backs too. Like with Damian Williams, they added Lashawn McCoy. With Last year with CH, they added uh, Le'Veon Bell. So I, it's just that I don't really see that upside of Taking him, let's say, in the second round. If he falls maybe end of the third, I'm okay with him. It's just, I'm not as, as bullish on on the player himself. And I think we're putting too much into the situation.
1: Yeah, you kind of, and I was going to preempt the question. Yeah, you kind of preempted the question. I was going to say, James Robinson or CEH. I think it's pretty obvious for you.
2: Yeah, for me, it's James Robinson because we've seen him do it already. He had that top five season under his belt. Obviously, he had a ridiculous workload, but it won't be as high. But I just trust him more, even though he's in a worse offense. You know, the offense shouldn't be like it should be much improved with Trevor Lawrence and company. So I take James Robinson over CH.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I begrudging, I, I want to believe in CH. I want to like totally buy into him. But I'm, I think you're right. I think he's probably going a little overdrafted. I think he's more of a third round back instead of a second round back. Uh, even like in the, you know, the, the Chiefs run exquisite you know, screen pass game, you know, screen passes, but it's to Daryl Williams. Although Williams has a concussion right now, probably. But that that's the point is they wanted to have a guy who could block a little bit more. And I don't think CH is great in uh, pass pro. You know, he's now got an ankle problem again. Uh, it's not a high ankle like it was last year, but yeah, I am I share your concern a little bit there. So not surprised. And I cheated. I looked ahead at your article and knew, about, knew <laughs> about your objections to him, but good stuff, by the way, just uh, you can fo- follow it. You, you've tweeted out recently here. Uh let's, let's move on to uh, – well, let's get you one more. Let's get one more running back fade.
2: One more running back fade, just thinking about it and what we talked about earlier on the show with Daryl Henderson. I think I got to add him to the list now Okay because I know he'll still be – he still has a good chance of being the 1A in the offense, but there's – it's you know, he could easily lose the job to Sony Michel. You never know, or at least have a split. And the fact that he has durability issues – unless he's going like where Mike Davis goes or miles Gaskin, those types, sometimes they go sixth round. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to steer clear of Henderson now.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I saw that uh, a while ago you tweeted out uh, another guy that's on your fate list is Chris Carson. And I know that this is another polarizing player. Some people love him, take him like mm-hmm. end of the second, beginning of the third. Others won't take him until the fourth. Are you tor- towards that bottom end of that spectrum?
2: Yes, I am. It's just I know people love him. I could see why. You saw the bu- uptick in receiving usage last year and he's been a consistent player. It's just like the durability issues for me and you know, I know Rashad Penny isn't great, but he's he's going to be back. Maybe they give him a little more work. It's just but it's comes down mostly to the durability issues. I'd rather go with uh, David Montgomery where we saw him totally dominate down the stretch, even mm-hmm. in weak matchups. I always say like good players exploit weak matchups. I don't really hold that against them. So that's an example of a player I'd take over Carson. Very good.
1: Let's move to wide receiver. Why are you such a monster? Why do you hate Jamar
2: Chase? (laughs) It's just about the fact that I know he's considered a generational wide receiver prospect. and It comes down to how high he's being drafted. Like an underdog, I know it's starting to fall with his training, with his preseason struggles with drops. But he was going in the top 25 And this is a player who's competing for targets with T Higgins and Tyler Boyd Burrow coming off the injury. Maybe they don't, they aren't nearly as pass heavy as last year where he averaged like 40 attempts per game. It's just about the price for me with chase. I mean, I know he's such a good prospect, but like we think back to other generational prospects, you know, Calvin Johnson is rookie year. I think he had like 800 ish yards. So it's not like all of these rookie receivers are going to totally uh, pop right away. So, if he had less target competition, I'd be more in. But I'd prefer to go with T. Higgins instead.
1: You know, I like Higgins better than Chase too. I think that price is changing though. Yesterday, it's starting we, to yeah. Yesterday we did the RotoWire Steak League auction, a 14-team half-point PPR league. We have a, a steak dinner side bet. It's awesome, Ooh. and I highly recommend doing this. By the way, it's a great way to keep in touch with people, keep people involved all season long. Uh, so at any rate, Higgins went for 22. And we start three receivers in a flex, uh, 14-team league, $200 budget. I got chased for 14. I wasn't planning on getting him. I just couldn't pass up that price.
2: Uh, Well, in that case, that's definitely more appealing to me just because you could, yeah, like you said, with all the concerns coming out of, with the negative reports coming out, you're starting to see a dip. So if I see him, let's say, to put that in a context of ADP, let's say he goes like outside the top 30 instead of like 23 where he was about two weeks ago. It's more easy to digest. It just, I felt like he was being priced closer to his ceiling as a rookie. And that's why I was out, but the way you got him, that's I'd be totally on board with that. Yeah, Again, it's not really about the player in this fade.
1: It's a, it's about the market. I'll buy you on that. How about Keenan Allen? He's a guy that's going solidly about 10 to 12 among wide receivers in pretty much every draft. You, you seem to be a lower on him. Why?
2: I, I'm a little bit lower on him just because, you know, we saw his yards per target really decrease. He gets those really short yardage targets. And uh, we saw how offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi is really talking up. Mike Williams as the X receiver in his offense. Not to say that that's going to make him the top option, but it could eat away at Keenan Allen. But the most important reason why I'm more out on Keenan Allen is just the fact that I prefer a couple other receivers at his price like Allen Robinson, who will, is the clear-cut one, and he'll play with Justin Fields now eventually. And I like CeeDee Lamb to really take the next step. I'd rather take ro- a roll of the dice on Lamb in year two than taking Allen. But I, I really can't fault anyone who likes Keenan Allen. It's just okay. my preference
1: for those other two. I will say that Allen's not going to be the big play guy. You know, they got mm-hmm. Mike Williams for that. Uh, he may not be the red zone target. Same reason. You know, we all, we saw a lot of those contested throws going to Williams, uh, last year. And I think that might change in favor. I think they improved that offensive line quite a bit this offseason. That gives uh, Herbert a little bit more time. Let Allen run those routes that he's so really good at doing. Uh, but yeah, he's not a huge guy. He's not going to like out athlete anybody necessarily he's gonna he's gonna run circles around people but he's not gonna do it by like just pure overpowering them. so I, I i see some of that as well uh let's dig a little bit into uh frank's uh, background but first quick note from our blue wire sponsors
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: And that was a quick note. Thanks for Blue Wire for the platform to record these podcasts. Uh, all right. So we've got your takes. We've got your fades. Let's learn about a little bit more about you. How did you get into our business? How did you get into being a, a pundit for fantasy football and fantasy baseball?
2: Well, you know, my friends and I were fantasy sports nuts. We've been playing for 15 years since I, mm-hmm. I'm 32 now, since I was like in the 10th grade. And, you nice. know, we played fantasy baseball, fantasy football, hockey, basketball, all the four major sports. And, you know, we have a bunch of group chats on WhatsApp. Where we're always talking about sports, fantasy or real life, whatever. And I'd always fire off some takes, you know, and instead of taking it from the WhatsApp group chats, I took it to Twitter and made an account just because I love discussing sports. And that's how I started. I was always, uh, always thought of myself as a good writer and always loved to write about sports. So I said, hey, why not give it a shot? So it started with just firing my takes on Twitter. Then I start with a website then I got over to Roto baller and then it's just been steady, steadily working towards that. I I love, I love doing this. This is what I think is my passion and and I'm happy to have joined the uh, fantasy football, fantasy baseball industry.
1: Yeah. It's an ever growing community and it's hard to, I would say it's hard to get in because you, anybody can have a take, right? And you just have to, if you're right a lot, if you communicate well, you'll gain some traction, but you know, you're writing for a number of different sites. Uh, You have to keep it, keep it all tight. You know, who you're writing, what, you know, what for each, each site and all that. Uh, Do you have a real life job also in addition to this?
2: Yes. I work as a teacher, but right now I'm working as a substitute teacher and I'm off for the summer. So I have more time to, you know, write content, just debate on Twitter, but starting in the school year, I'll have to uh, manage my time really, uh, Really well, you know. Maybe wake up extra early to get that right. article in, or stay up a little later. But I'll try to my best to find the balance. That's that's what gonna be one of the What level do you usually teach at? Well, usually in in elementary school, usually between grades one to five, I'll have different classes. I had I took on a couple longer term assignments to grade, grade one classes last year. So, but okay, my preference, I'd probably say let's say the fifth grade level.
1: Uh, in Ontario, are kids going back in person to school this fall?
2: Yes, yeah, they are with uh having to wear masks, and you know there's covid screenings and uh there'll be social dis like at recess they'll have social distance protocols, things like that yeah,
1: sure uh and it's it's a challenge, and I imagine teaching during this this era uh-huh. has been really difficult,
2: yeah, definitely, especially when you like last year at the tail end from let's say April to the end of the year. We went back online and it's tough you know it's hard for the kids especially at a younger age to take it yeah. as seriously especially if they're in like grade eight you know their cameras off and you don't really have to like they're not expected to turn it on so it feels like you're talking to a blank screen sometimes
1: oh but yeah I can it's only a imagine. challenge for sure I can only imagine uh it's, it's very difficult it's difficult for everybody involved the kids the teachers everybody but uh, parents that have to deal with OK, your young child is at home now. What do you do? You know, and if you had a job to go to, you know, dealing with all that is also very difficult, too. So uh, very tough all around. Um, what type of league do you like to play in the most?
2: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm more traditional. I like to play that season long uh, fantasy football league, one quarterback, my friends in my higher stake home league they're stubborn they want to stick to two wide receiver but i prefer three just because there's so many wide receivers so they're like ancient there with that but uh like the standard format, like that but i like half ppr over ppr just because i hate how it you know like those really checked down receptions especially those players like jd mckissick they get in my opinion too much of a bump in ppr so i think half ppr gives a nice balance Sure,
1: I, I can buy into that, and I think uh, I, that that's actually like a lot of the rotowire leagues are played that way too. Uh, best finish ever. What's your best fantasy football team? Who like who did you build like this monster team, or do you have a favorite one that you built? What's your best uh, fantasy football story?
2: Uh, one of my recent teams that I like it was I didn't win that year, but I really liked the team. Like I won last year in this home league, but. What happened was I was super high on Lamar Jackson heading into the 2019 season, and I just drafted him like at least one or maybe even two rounds above consensus. I was that confident that he was going to really really hit and, and pop right. off. So I had him. And then in that league heading into the year, I was really high on Chris Godwin and Dalvin Cook, and I, I wasn't able to get him in the draft. But as I was on vacation in Italy, I was able to negotiate uh, with my friend, and I traded before the year. I traded him uh, Tyree Kill and Sony Michelle, who was a fourth rounder at that time. He had that ADP right. for Cook and Godwin, and that was the year Godwin really took off. And you know, Cook was in our was one of the t- top five backs. So that was my favorite trade. And I really liked that team. It fell nice. short in the end, but that was I, I like that move there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of Lamar that year too, and it was really fun seeing uh, seeing him just. jump on the stage and uh, make a big presence there. You know, he he had that little tease at the end of the season kind of gave you the hint that maybe this is going to happen. And then more it, it it, it more than fulfilled our expectations. So I love that as well. Uh, A format you don't like playing in
2: a format that I don't like playing in. Hmm. Well, you know, it could be none of the
1: above. It could be an old set. To
2: some extent. I like every format. I'm a fantasy football nut, but I'm getting I kind of like, like I'm starting to come around to super flex leagues, but it's just a huge transition after years of, you know, not taking quarterbacks so high, but in super flex, for those who don't know is when you start a, two quarterbacks, right. basically, uh, they just fly off the board. So it's definitely a huge adjustment for me there. But that would be probably, even though I still like it, it's probably the, the worst of the best of options,
1: basically. If I made you king of the world and I had that sort of power and you could choose anything to change in fantasy football about football generally, what would it be? Mm. That's that's really tough. Um I know I didn't prepare you for that one either, so I'm just throwing that at you right now. You know <laughs> I know it's fun and how
2: we like to target those quarterbacks with that rushing yards bump, but maybe if you could find a scoring system that more accurately depicts real life football in a sense, because I feel like if you think about it, like these rushing yards for quarterbacks really bump them up way too much. I mean, Kyler Murray mm-hmm. is a stud fantasy quarterback, but would you really say that he's a top 10 quarterback in real life yet? Or maybe not. Or like Jalen Hurts, you're everyone's so hyped about him in fantasy, but he's a huge question mark in real life. So if you gave me that power, maybe to find like the perfectly balanced, I'm not sure the answer to it, but, but a way to, even that out with uh the disparity because of quarterback rushing yards
1: uh know, i'll buttress your point on i'll use the wayback machine to do that too uh troy Aikman was never a good fantasy quarterback didn't have the volume didn't have any the mobility obviously but got the job done he was super reliable didn't throw picks always had a great you know percentage it helps to have emmett smith as just tearing it apart but you know, fantasy is structured, you know, A is one starting quarterback instead of superflex, and B you didn't have the volume. So, and he didn't run. So he really wasn't even a, he was borderline not draftable fantasy quarterback. There were some years he was, but uh, you know, it, it's weird. He's such a proficient real life quarterback, but not that valuable in fantasy. And that's one of the things I, one of the reasons why I like super flex leagues is, you know, you get a guy like Baker Mayfield. He's, he's, he's a very solid quarterback. But in your normal 12-team league with one quarterback, you're not even drafting him or you're drafting him in the last round.
2: That's true. That's true. And with that point, you're even convincing me a little more on Superflex League. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Very cool. That's a good point.
1: Uh, what do you got coming out next? Uh, wh- where's your next article coming?
2: Well, you can find – I'm working on uh, 4 for 4. We have this series called Perfect Draft where the writer will take a pick in a certain format. Let's say I have the seventh pick in Yahoo – and you go through an app called draft hero and it uses Yahoo at ADP. And I'll be writing like my favorite pick in each round and constructing a team with a, a paragraph explanation for each player. So nice. that's one thing you can, you can check out. You could see, uh, towards the season, once it starts Roto baller, I'll be doing the weekly, uh, matchups column, you know, talking about which players I like on a given matchup, some DFS content there, more betting content on the game day. Uh, could even look out my fantasy football podcast on the fantasy Jones We're still last episode like you said was about the props and my rankings are we have a website there where I post my rankings which we're working on too so those are all a bunch of things I'm working on busy time exciting time though with the season right around the corner
1: yeah indeed indeed hey Frank this has been awesome really appreciate you taking the time to join me and uh, good luck this season we'll talk soon
2: Thank you. It's been an honor being on your show and yeah, good luck to you too. Hope to come back one time. You bet.
1: You bet. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the RotoWire wire podcast, we got Mario Puig and John McKechnie as always on Thursday. I, on baseball, I got the great Alex Fast joining me, so that should be a lot of fun as well. Alex from Pitcher List, ESPN, MLB, and you name it, he's a rising star. So excited to have Alex with us. So thanks again for listening. Thanks to WinBet for the sponsorship. Good luck in your drafts. Have a great day.